right, welcome back to the Veterans Beyond the Wire podcast. I am Tim Keller. Along with me is Matt Disher. We had a guest lined up. Life happens. Sometimes people have things come up at work, and that's what happened today. Our our guest couldn't make it. So, Matt, if you're listening, uh, appreciate you. Hope you can make it on next time. Uh, but we decided to go forward, push forward. That's what we did in the Marine Corps. Things go wrong. That doesn't mean the mission's over. You got to keep on going. So, Matt, it's good to see you here on the computer screen. Uh, I know you had some ideas and some topics you kind of wanted to to bounce around and discuss today. So I'm going to well, pass the mic to you and let you have it. You know, thanks, Tim. We we always have a plan B, right? Um, and although I, I've seen and heard in in, uh, in business podcasts uh, uh, and in other literature, don't have a plan B. It means that you're planning on plan A failing. And I'm like, no, mm. no, no. You always have contingencies. Always have to have contingencies. Um, so our guest today is a friend of mine who, uh, who is a very busy man one way or the other anyway. And, and this happens. Um, and, uh, and he, he served in the uh, army special forces. I don't want to speak for him. We'll, we'll have him on here at one point in time, but, uh, has had a very successful career thereafter. Um, you know, working at, uh, at Amazon and, and now he is a, a vice president in a, another company, um, and so, you know, you're pulling people out of uh, work schedules and things like that and asking them to, to join. So sometimes sometimes things happen. And when you've got your hands full, it, it, it's full. But, uh, um, you know, we have we have backups. And, and something I, I wanted to discuss um, is a conversation I recently saw on LinkedIn. Uh, and this is LinkedIn is probably where I get all of my best news and uh and make all my best connections because it really is. It was the tool that uh, I think in our last podcast, Tim, we were talking about, we didn't have these things when we got out of the military, we had to come out here and find these people and uh, make connections um, uh, organically. There was no, there was no digital solution for this. There was no way to find who we needed to be talking to. And so um, I saw a, a, a conversation the other day on LinkedIn that really spurred uh, something I've discussed before, and that is, you know, taking your public image and burning it, uh, burning bridges, um, mm. or polishing your public image. And this conversation really dealt with the topic of, of how to use LinkedIn as a networker. Um, you know, you, you, for those who use LinkedIn, if you're in there, you'll probably see the statement sometimes that says, uh, uh, LinkedIn is not Facebook. LinkedIn is not Instagram. It is not a, it, it's a social network, but it's a, it's a professional social network. Um, and that simply means that when we are in there, the whole entire world can see what we're writing. Uh, if I have 5,000 connections and Tim, you have 10,000 connections. If I go in and comment on something that, that you have written on LinkedIn and I'm, I make a bold or inappropriate comment or unprofessional comment. Now my 5,000 followers see that as well as your 10,000 followers. Mm -hmm. So, it is this this exponential tool, this exponential resource that can be used for good, can be used for bad as well. Um, so this this conversation that I saw recently was about how to how to maintain public image and a, a corporate image. And uh, somebody had made the statement that um, if if you're you know within LinkedIn and you are making inappropriate comments and posting things that might be Harmful uh, companies going to avoid you. Uh, recruiters and hiring managers see that kind of stuff. They can mm -hmm. see, they can look back and see what you've written and what you've commented on. And uh, let's make the assumption that if you can't handle your your personal brand, that you're not going to be able to to handle a company brand either or a public image. So, um, you know, it's one of those topics that uh, I think we've all seen it. I don't know, Tim. I don't know how much time you spend on LinkedIn. Um, you ever see any of those inappropriate conversations happening? I, I think you see those inappropriate conversations on almost every social network. And I'll be, I'll be 100% honest. Um, a few years ago, I was a lot more active on LinkedIn than I am today. Um, I know you were extremely active and successful on there. I guess if that's what you want to say, uh, you have plenty of connections over there. Um, but yeah, recently I, you know, I was thinking to myself, maybe, maybe it's time I, I probably get back on there because it is a more professional social network of, of all the social networks. But yeah, you see people that you know are managers, HR, you know, whatever their title is in their professional career on a social network 
we'll just use Facebook for instance, because we are live on Facebook this week. Um, making comments on posts or posting things themselves that you're like, I don't know your boss or your job would enjoy right. this as yeah. much as maybe I do, but you know, right. Right. Well, that's that, that, that old conversation that says you, you leave your religion and your politics out of, out of your professional world. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are different places for that sort of engagement, but what's happening is, and I think it's also probably because we're, we're seeing a, it's an election year too. And, People get especially riled up during an yes. election year. Um, you're seeing more opinions, more, uh, it, it, especially in the current political and social climate right now. Mm-hmm. You're seeing more people who want to throw their opinions around. The hard thing is that companies have policies mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff, and uh, and companies have brands and images, and and no matter who you are, um, and no matter what you have to say, uh, companies don't have to. Um, they don't have to accept you in their doors uh, when you are uh, pushing a narrative that maybe doesn't uh, meet their their industry standard or or perhaps I should say their neutrality standard. And, and what that means is simply they don't want to have their company name out there um, in a negative light. They don't want to have their their organization affiliated with one organization or the other. And so that's I think that that's what what people have to realize is. Um, you know, do that in your social networks. If you want to have political arguments, go into your, your, your social networks with your friends and, and do that kind of stuff. But, and there's always but, ways to do those things responsibly too, and professionally right. and right. like an adult. Um, you mentioned about when we got out of the service, there not being these sort of social network applications and no way to necessarily do this sort of thing electronically. There was the, the yellow pages there was the newspaper. And once you got yourself that job, then you could start networking inside that company. Uh, you know, maybe you have some business meetings, you, you meet new people there, things like that. Uh, and it was a simpler time because you left work and everything outside of work was outside of work, unless, you know, obviously you did something big time and crazy. Right. But yeah. now you leave work and you hop on any of these social networks, you have to assume that everyone and anyone that you still work with can see this, can hear you. And you have to always take that into account. So you constantly have to be professional. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you've seen, you've seen the, um, I don't remember exactly when this was, there was a a photo of a woman who was at the Arlington national cemetery in front of one of those signs that says, uh, silence and respect or something along those lines. And she was pretending to yell while flipping mm. off the middle finger. Um, the way it goes, I, I understand she got fired from her job. You know, that got passed around um, back home, wherever that might be. And she, she lost her, her job. I don't remember what she did. I don't remember her name or anything like that. Not that I would want to bring that up, but uh, great example of, you know, in its, in its earlier years, this was several years ago. Um, in its earlier years of social media, this is this is something that happened. So it, it, it is. It's one of those things that happened. You know, to touch on something you just said, Tim, we used to go hang out. We, the uh, the veteran population, we used to go hang out at uh, at the VFW and the the uh, American Legion, and that's mm-hmm. and that's where you went down and had beers. And I I had I had done that a couple of times when I got out just to kind of see. Now, granted, the generation was much older than me, and I. I wasn't making any professional connections there. We are closing that gap quickly, though, sir. Right. You, you're right. You know, it's it's funny, and maybe that's another topic for discussion someday. It's funny that uh, those organizations are, are I don't want to say struggling for membership because I don't know, but I would say that the younger generations, the post-9-11 generations, are largely not involved. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, I do wonder if that's a um, something down the road that our generation can pick back up and, and start to reinstate. Uh, a little hard right now with COVID, mm-hmm. but um, but you know, in the grand scheme, I, I do wonder how we breathe life and, and reinvigorate some of these organizations um, and strip them of their uh, their persona of dark, dingy bar with cigarette smoke and, and keg beer in a plastic cup. You know, um, perhaps we have an opportunity there to there, to, there to do something. But um, but it, yeah, you know, it's a it's a different world now. It's something that I that I frequently run into and, and, and I'm in talent acquisition. So uh, I am recruiting for a large organization I'm a, and I'm specifically 
recruiting military people right now, given the atmosphere of, of the labor market. Um, there are a lot of people I recognize that are struggling. They're looking for their next opportunity. Um, they've been laid off. They've been furloughed. They've been fired. Uh, they've been downsized. And, um, and this goes, you know, hand in hand with the public image and the burning bridges and, and pieces like that. Um, I wrote an article on, on, on LinkedIn years ago, and it's appropriate for this conversation. And it's, it's, uh, it's called trolls and burning bridges and other things you don't want to do. Um, and it's trolling around on social media and burning bridges on social media. But I, I get a lot of messages from people these days. You know, if you think about this, along with the people who have lost their, their jobs, for the COVID crisis as a result of this, uh, there are still 200 and some odd thousand people leaving the military every year. Mm -hmm. And so those are additional people in my world that continue to leave the armed forces. They're, they, the military continues to pump them out. COVID didn't necessarily change that. Some people are probably staying in mm -hmm. and hanging on a, a little bit longer as they can. But I have uh, just this amazing network of people on LinkedIn. Um, tens of thousands of people. And I get a lot of messages from those people. And I have a lot of connections that, that keep coming that roll in every day. And that's a good thing. That's what the, the platform is used for. But if I had to sit down in a room with all these people, I would let them know that, um, that they are, you know, one of, of thousands that are knocking on my door right now. And uh, if I had the opportunity, I would certainly plug them into jobs and career opportunities, you know, day by day. I simply can't get to all of them right now. There are so many of them knocking on the door. And so what happens is when we take our, our brand out to social media or in a conversation or a job fair, something like that, you've got people who, um, it, it never fails, consistently chime in and say, I've applied for this job and nobody called me back. Now I'm angry. I want to come in here and wave my fist. Mm -hmm. um, and they are one of a thousand people in that room, one of a thousand people in that network who have, uh, who have, who have applied for a job and maybe not heard back. And so it's, you know, it's a piece of advice back to the job seeker. I realize, I realize there's some desperation right now. And, and those of us who are in these seats, man, if I could, we would plug them all in. Mm -hmm. That's our job. That's my job. That's what they pay me to do. Um, but it is, it, it is not as simple as, you know, recruiters don't make the, the hiring decisions. It's not as simple as just plugging the resume into the job and saying, all right, let's go. Here's your paycheck. There's a, there's a process through which we have to get to that. Um, and it it's going to behoove the candidate to slow down that that process and slow down that reaction and and sort of take a step back. And I, I again I understand I've been there, man. I've been there. When I left the military and even after, you know, years after I left the military, I've been that job seeker banging on my steering wheel in my car in a parking lot, trying to figure out what the next step is. How am I gonna pay the bills? You know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um a sign of the times right now and it's it's one of those pieces of advice i would give to people is uh keep the network strong and positive don't lose your cool uh keep it together it's gonna turn around mm -hmm. it's turning around i'm watching it turn around we just have to wait for that right spot yeah i would say obviously patience is probably the biggest factor here um with the current climate and the way things have been these past six months there have been plenty of people that have been furloughed, have lost jobs, have lost opportunities. But it's just a matter of time. Those things will come back. Things hopefully will be even better than before. Right. Uh, just have to stay steady, stay the course, stay positive. And you mentioned not burning bridges, not, not making that phone call. In, and you're probably not going to get anybody that has to actually do with the hiring decision, but to lose your cool on somebody there and say, hey, I, I put an application in here three weeks ago. I haven't even gotten a call back. Right. What's going on? Um, right. Those, yeah. those aren't the right things. Those aren't the right steps. Check in on the status. Uh, there's yeah. nothing wrong with checking in on the status. And I, actually, I, I encourage people to, uh, you know, if I tell them like, hey, I'm passing your information along to a hiring manager. Um, and, and we're going to have a conversation about your, your background and how it fits into this job. I encourage them to keep knocking on my door. Cause I am, again, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people mm -hmm. at, at one time. I'm, I am, uh, I don't have a team of people necessarily beside me doing this work with me. Uh, I have different parts of the business that, that we pass these, uh, these, these resumes around to, and we have conversations about them. 
and we um we do our our best we have a lot of people like a lot of companies that have dedicated military programs we get a lot of people who uh who want to to assist here who we have hiring managers who prefer to see military resumes coming through they want the diverse the diverse population of the military and they want the skill sets and those disciplines um but it is a it's a process that uh, that we have to get through, and it sometimes it, it takes a, a month to hire a person yeah. from from application to finish. So, um, you know, it, it is you know, stay on my radar, stay on my radar. Come back and check in with me a, a week later and ask me what the process is or what it's looking like or if there's anything they can do. And uh, yeah, it might be one of a thousand messages I've received this week. Uh, but stay the course, stay the course, and and do what you can do to to make sure that uh, you're staying in front of us. Well, here you go, Matt. You do talent acquisition as your profession. You do have a very large network on LinkedIn. So if one of our listeners decided that, you know, find themselves in the same situation where they're trying to find new employment, how could they find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, you know, there are uh, there are not many Matt Dishers in the world, believe mm-hmm. it or not. I know it sounds like a very common name, and I'm, I'm commonly mistaken for A-list celebrities like Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. And and, and others, fit. right? I mean, it's um, and that's why I was I was hesitant to get on the camera today because you know maybe <laughs> it's the jawline, get, the hair, yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, the full beard that's growing in here. Yes. It's my 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 COVID beard. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I am Matt Disher on on LinkedIn. Uh, I sit in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I'm not hard to find at all. Uh, my my profile picture does not look too far off of what you're seeing here, except I'm wearing an orange tie and a blue jacket. So, um, yeah, connect with me in there. You know, the the one thing is that uh, um, if I'd say if you send me a message right away, you know, along with the the copious amounts of of LinkedIn messages I get every day, I'm also responding to to work emails and you know, other conversation topics. But, you know, the, you know, along with that, Tim, I'm glad that you you asked that question. How does somebody get in touch? I would I would also add this that if you're going to make a connection with somebody, uh, think about your ask. Think about what you're going to present to that person because you know the person who let's assume that you're reaching out to a business executive or a hiring manager or a recruiter. That person, like the rest of us in our day jobs, we're very busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of things coming at us. We're trying to get work done. We don't want to have to figure out um, or try to decode or decipher what it is that you might be looking for. I love it when a candidate knocks on my door and says, here is my resume. I've, I've equipped it or I've edited it or um, made it the right resume for this job in whatever city. I'm looking at this job in Dallas, Texas. I seem to have the qualifications for it. As you can see on my resume, I have 10 years of underwater basket weaving and I know how to wrangle unicorns. And the job is asking for six years of underwater basket weaving and two years of unicorn wrangling. Can you please help me make a connection here? Those are the kind of conversations that are most meaningful. It makes all the work that much easier uh, as opposed to, um, do you have anything in Atlanta? Do you have anything in Washington, D.C.? It, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult for recruiters and hiring managers to ask to act as a um, as as a concierge essentially. Like it's it's hard for them to say, well, yes, let me plug you in because it's it's um any large company has a bunch of different business units. It's a matrix organization where there are several different business elements inside of that company, maybe even sister companies mm-hmm. that are unaffiliated with the with the with the main company. And so there are different recruiters and hiring managers for each one of those positions. It's not one process through and through. So that's a common misunderstanding. And I'm glad that you 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 kind of came. Saying there's still legwork to be done by the individual to to seek out their individual job, the 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 thing that they actually want, and not leave it. Yeah, not come to you and hope that you'll just take it from them, and they can leave it in your hands, and you'll figure it all out. Right. Because there's, you know, at any given time, there's there's a lot of work that I'm doing on the side, and I'm using myself as the example because I can speak from my own standpoint. Mm-hmm. When we hang up the phone here and turn off the camera, I'm going to get back into work, building programs and plans and looking at resources and things like that. Um, and I will get I will get a number of LinkedIn messages today, mm-hmm. uh, and 
a lot of them are, uh, they are, hey, I'm looking for the connection. I'm, I'm trying to make the connection, happy to connect. And that's great. I, I love a network. Yes, come in and connect. But if, if you have something to ask for, ask for it. Because that's, that is, uh, that is effectively how I'm going to make that connection. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, I'm using me as the example. Do that with anybody. If you're reaching out to any company looking for their job and you saw a job that sparks your interest on LinkedIn or Indeed or any of the, or Recruit Military or any of these other organizations, um, find a contact in that company and say, hey, I've got what this job is asking for. Uh, I've done the legwork. I qualify for this job. I, I would say this, one caveat to that is don't try to uh, force a, a round peg into a square hole. Don't try to take your resume and say, I have some of this stuff. I'm looking at this vice president of underwater basket weaving um, position. And I, I have very limited, I did underwater basket weaving in 1978. It's going to be a hard fit. Mm -hmm. um, but if you find something else that that is uh, very well connected to to what your background and experience is, um, we'll, we'll try to make that fit, but you got to do the legwork. It's, it's, uh, it's being, it's being entrepreneurial. It's kind of taking your own career into your own hands and saying, um, and saying, I, I realize what my next step is. And, and as a business, as any business, we want to hire people who know where they're going. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we want to hire people who we can hire you and maybe with a, a short runway, short ramp up can get you to be effective and, and efficient. We don't want to have to take eight years to figure out, you know, how we get you where you're going. So um, it is always nice to see a candidate that comes in the door and, and, and already has this figured out, really knows where they're trying to go. Uh, and in some cases, if they, if they fit half the criteria, they're still able to make that mental connection. They know kind of where they're going and, and you know that they're going to be a success once they get in the door. Awesome. Yeah. So what, what would you suggest people look for the most in a job? Yeah, you know that's uh, that's also one of those questions. I I have mentored thousands of people, uh, mentored or advised. I shouldn't say mentored because mentored in, implies that I'm having constant conversations with them. Um, I've I've mentored a handful, a lot of people. Uh, I've advised thousands of people on on what their next steps are, including people who have turned me down, um, to whom I've offered a position. Uh, and they've come back and said, no, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that the constant conversation in, in, in talking to people leaving the military, especially, uh, you have some people who have it all figured out. They know where they want to be. They come knock on the door and they're like, hey, I, I really want to be in this industry. I have this experience in the military. I know where I'm going. And they plug right in and, and they go. Mm -hmm. um, I would venture to say most people. Do not have that. Most people, even mm -hmm. even the person who has been career counseled and is leaving after 25 years and they know exactly what industry they want to be in. Um, so the conversation then becomes, you, you know, how to balance the needs of salary versus work life balance versus work culture versus, you know, there are all these factors to take into account. And I think that this is one of those. I think in the um, in our initial podcast, Tim, you and I talked about the emotional toll or the emotional uh, outcomes of leaving the armed forces. This is another one of those pieces that I think the the armed forces as a whole has gotten better at doing at at, at talking about how to balance these different things. Uh, and I see that because I talk to candidates who who have this figured out. They're like, I'm, I'm going to take less money for better work life balance, yeah. and I'm I'm generally like my mind is blown because 10 years ago it would have been, how can I make the most money? Mm -hmm. Don't care what I have to do for it. Um, so how do you pick the right job? You know, there's a stat that suggests that a lot of people that leave the armed forces uh, within the first two years, like 80% of people that leave the military within the first year out of the military will leave their job. Um, and a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that somebody leaves the military, jumps into a job right away as they sort of get their feet planted, they unpack their boxes and, um, and figure out where they're going to go. Uh, and I did that too. I got out, started working at a bar, uh, that lasted for six months. And then I, I think I started working at another bar, but, uh, but, it, but essentially I, I went from one place to the next. Um, that, that is, uh, the, the quick hops between jobs is, is largely because, 
there's an unfamiliarity, as we discussed in our lot, last podcast, being let out of that room. There's an mm-hmm. unfamiliarity with what to expect and, and, and how to get to places and, and um, you know, essentially what a, a workplace is supposed to look like. I would say the things that you're looking for in a job are um, obviously we, we, we all want to pretend like we want to avoid the cash conversation, but the job, first of all, has to be somewhere in the range of being able to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you're not asking for a million dollars a year, but you also don't want to fall short of, of your needs. You don't want to jump into something where they're, they're like, Hey, it's, Hey, you're not even going to get paid until you start making money. All commission. That might be scary. Some people mm-hmm. do it. Might be scary though. Um, you want to make sure that it's well within the range of of being able to have uh, a, a comfortable financial situation. But I think secondarily, what a lot of people from the military, leaving the military, should be looking for is is a cultural fit. And and, and culture really means that they have the opportunity or availability to come in, learn a business, make mistakes be mentored, have leadership, have guidance, um, an open sort of environment where people will uh, teach them how to get to the next step because the transition out of the military, is, it's not easy. It's, no. it's, um, it's easy for very few people. Mm-hmm. And you, you, want a, uh, you want a workplace or a company that's going to be supportive of you know, your ability to kind of get your feet planted. And you don't want to jump into an organization that's going to have you working um, you know, from day one, working in a in a, a, a subdued environment where you don't have anybody to lean on, you're not going to have any coaching, you're not going to have any maybe executive or leadership mentoring. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to come into a place that uh, that has this figured out that um, will allow you for next steps and growth and things like that. So, you know, it's a it, it's a conversation that we can have on a much larger scale, but you got to look at those couple of factors, and that is mm-hmm. that. Uh, you got to pay the bills and, and you want to be happy. Do you want to be working on holidays and weekends? And, um, you know, some people that's great, uh, for other people that's unacceptable with a family, you, mm-hmm. you know, if, especially if you've been doing deployments, um, inside of the military, you've already been away from your family. I had a candidate recently make this decision as well. They had to choose between two opportunities. One of them was going to pay them more, uh, and it was going to have, uh, a lot of time away from their family. And they chose, uh, the other one that um, paid them a little bit less, but it allowed them for some some work life balance. It allowed them to spend time with their kids, with whom they've already missed time. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you know it's it's a lot of um, bouncing around through those topics to to answer the question. But this is why, you know, going back to the LinkedIn piece, this is why we're here. Uh, I have this conversation with people all the time. If they're not even asking for anything other than um, help me make this decision, I, I'm getting out in December. Uh, I have these three opportunities on my plate. Can you help me walk through these com- this conversation? Can you help me make this decision and tell me, you know, what might work better, what might not, you know, work well for my my situation? So, yeah, I I personally made a very similar decision two and a half years ago. Um, I I had a job that gave me very good hours. It paid me very well. There were issues I had with management. There were issues with where I thought the company was going in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, and I made a decision to uh, go back to a, a, a company I had left uh, not too long before that. Uh, I, was, I knowingly was taking a decrease in pay to go back. Um, the hours weren't as good, but I felt that the opportunities going forward were greater. I knew the management team that was in place and I knew that the management team was in my opinion, much better. Right. So I made the move and in the two and a half years since that move, um, I've made large steps in progress. I've moved up the ladder slightly. I, I have opportunities coming. Um, and the money, it, it wasn't, a drastic decrease in pay where it's like, Oh no, now I'm going to have to change my yeah. entire lifestyle. It's okay. You know, I won't have that extra hundred bucks off each check to, to have, you know, three date nights or something like that. But right. it's, it's the money, the money eventually comes anyways. So right. you continue to do what you're, you're willing to do. And, and I knew that on a daily basis, I would walk in the door and not immediately go Ugh, another day. Right. And if 
that's something you're going to have to do every day. But let's be honest, you're working five days, you have a two day weekend at right. most jobs. So if five of your seven days are spent with you going, oh, I can't stand this job, I can't stand this place. That's not good for you mentally. And eventually it won't be good for you physically. Right. And, and, and you know, a change should probably be made. I uh, I left a, an amazing organization years ago um, for an increase in pay and an increase in responsibilities, and it was uh, it was one of the toughest decisions I ever had to make professionally. Um, and it it and as it turns out, uh, it was it became one of those places where, um, you know, every day you had to kind of make this decision to to get up and go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you realize that the you know I, I made this. As I mentioned, I was making more money, but uh, at the end of the day, it didn't support um, my, you know, emotional well-being, my work-life balance. It wasn't there, and so it's it, again. I use myself as an example because uh, I feel like when I talk to our uh, our brothers and sisters in uniform that are making these decisions to get out, um, I've made those those mistakes and those decisions ahead of them. And it's kind of like parenting almost. I, I, I hate to say it like that, but it, it's it's what I find myself telling my nine-year-old son, um, hey, listen, I've already made this mistake or I didn't make this mistake. I didn't go down this road and I wish I would have. And, uh, and, and let me tell you what happened. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, myself and many of us, uh, many of the people that we'll have probably on this podcast in the future have made these mistakes. Let us make those mistakes for you so we can tell you what not to do. But I, I found myself, you know, get out of bed every every morning and kind of going, and what am I doing? I got to find the next thing because it's yeah. it's this is not where I want to be. Um, and it all came down to, uh, it came down to work life balance, which which wasn't there. And at some point in time, um, you know, maybe if your kids are are older and and you don't need to spend as much time at home, go after the the higher paying job with no work life balance. If, if you don't value your personal time. And that's again, that's for each person to make up their own mind. Some people enjoy working, you know, hundred hour weeks and that's, that's great. Um, uh, if you got young kids and families, again, as I mentioned, if you're leaving the military and maybe you've been away from them for some period of time, you might want to reevaluate that yeah. and look for the opportunity that'll have future growth, but you don't need to sit on the top of the pile right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, again, solid management, solid mentorship, solid leadership inside of an organization, uh, the companies that have lasted longer um, and have the strongest revenue growths, and you can go look at company stocks and things like that. I found in in a lot of cases, not in all cases, but when you go look at that company's success and, and it's you know, look at the how it survives a uh, economic downturn and things like that, it's typically because it has a strong leadership cycle. It's got a strong. Uh, a, uh, management group. And mm-hmm. these are people who generally understand that you got to take care of your people too. Yeah. Um, the companies that, um, that, that struggle with that in many cases, uh, you know, if your people don't enjoy coming to work, then, then the work can suffer. So it's, I, I tell candidates, go on to LinkedIn, look at who works in these companies, ask people about the company, connect with those people and say, Hey, I'm, I'm applying for a job at your company. What's the culture like inside of the organization? You send 10 of those messages, you'll get two responses. You know, people love to talk about themselves and their own careers. Uh, but it'll give you some insight. And sometimes people will fluff it up a little bit, but typically just tracking down a random person and asking them like, Hey, what's the culture like? And what's the growth opportunity? They're going to tell you something that you can use. And there's also, uh, resources like Glassdoor, and uh, and and indeed, there's, there's rankings in there. There are yeah. they let you know about what people think about the CEO, the management yeah. team, the work life balance, right? All those things. And people leave comments around that stuff, mm-hmm. and and they'll tell you, you know, what the company looks like from the inside out. Um, those are those are all things that uh, you got to take into consideration when when making mm-hmm. these choices. But you just don't want to be stuck. Um, you don't want to be stuck in that organization where you're, you're 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 trying to get out of bed in the morning. You're like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll happen. It'll happen uh, as long as again, as long as you figure out what the next step looks like, or you've made that strong network, you can always figure out number two. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to doesn't have to come to you right now as you're transitioning out. And and you mentioned about ten years ago, uh, people saying just where where's the most money? 
15, not, not quite 20 years ago now, but you know, uh, when I first got out, that's, that was my mantra. I am going wherever the money is. Right. I gotta, if the money's over here, that's where I'm going. If the money goes over there, I'm going over there. I'm, I'm going after the money. Right. Um, and as I began to build that network of, of friends and start to rebuild relationships with family members and create a family of my own, uh, I became a little less chasing the money. I'm, I'm not right. chasing the money necessarily. I'm chasing opportunity. The money should come. You know, I, I, I know what my value is and I, I know the work I'm going to put out. And if I continue to do those things in a positive manner and give it my best every day, uh, eventually the money will find me. Right. Uh, in the notes, you have another thing here, which I think is a, is a fantastic talking point that what should veterans look for and understand about jobs and companies? So your example here is every company has HR. Every company has an IT department. Right. Uh, operations, uh, what, whatever it is that there's, there's depending on the company, there's, there's a hundred different job titles. Yeah. So uh, I, I know personally, I'm not an IT guy, but when I think IT, I think of, of places like Google, like Apple, like IBM you used here, but you don't have to get out of the military and think, okay, well, I like working with computers. I like, you know, dealing with networks and things like this. I'm going to be in the IT. I should put into IBM. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, you go to a job fair, you know, for years I've been in and out of these these job fairs on bases and off bases and things like that. And um, I have seen I've been next to booths and I've worked for companies uh, that had a certain thing like logistics in the title mm -hmm. um, or a trucking company next to like the booth next door to us was a trucking company or. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, a grocery store, uh, one mm -hmm. of the large grocery chains that's at a veteran career fair, a military career fair. And people will walk by these tables and say, well, I don't know anything about logistics, so I'm not going to I'm not going to come apply there. Mm -hmm. Or the police department or the city, the city that shows up with a booth at a job fair. Um, I don't know anything about being a cop. I'm not a cop. I don't want to be a cop. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not going to come work there. Well, the thing is that the large grocery store chain. Uh, has HR jobs, has IT mm -hmm. jobs, has logistics and planning and space and occupancy planners and real Analysis. estate people. It, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's a. Uh, I mean, these are these are these are in some cases large companies mm -hmm. that have a hundred thousand people working in them. So, um, so the the advice there is that uh, the company with logistics in its title is not necessarily only looking for logisticians. The police department might not only be looking for cops, you know, um, and it's, it's frequent, uh, that we, we get a sense of, we think we know what a company does. We think we know what a company is hiring for, especially if you've been to a few of these career fairs, you start making assumptions. You're like, well, I know that that company is looking for people to put things in boxes. Well, that might not necessarily be true because that, that company, whoever that might be is uh, also hiring management and they're hiring uh, they're hiring leadership and they're hiring HR, IT, et cetera, et cetera. So every organization out here, when you're looking for your next opportunity, every organization has the back office is, is what I call it. You see the jobs that they're doing out here on the street. You see the delivery guy dropping boxes off on your front porch. You mm -hmm. see, um, the real estate sign in front of a, in front of a, uh, a strip mall. Um, you see the person selling cell phones inside of a store, but there is an entire back office behind that. Behind the person selling the cell phones, uh, there's a 70,000 person company there with all of the back office, with the payroll and the HR and the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it because if you look at any jobs, any company's roster of jobs mm -hmm. that they have available, there are jobs you've probably never heard of in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we leave the military, obviously, some of these specialized roles might not be fitting for um, for your experience from the military, but you could probably find a handful of those bullets that might be very fitting. It, it might be exactly what you were doing in the military, managing budgets, um, managing people, managing operations, building plans, executing plans. Um, you name it. Even as a combat engineer, as an NCO, I was uh, writing up op orders. You know, an op order is essentially a business plan um, on a very short scope. An op order yeah. is, hey, we're going to do this today and we're going to do it in two hours. Business plans are more long term, but no less. It's the same type of it's the same type of planning organization there. 
Um, so that, I think that the advice there is that uh, depending on what you'd like to do when you leave the armed forces or in your post-military career, you've got to look deeper than what you think that company does um, because they've got jobs in, in a lot of the larger companies right now um, have have a, a ton of jobs posted. Um, they might not be hiring for them in an expeditious fashion, uh, meaning that there is some delay because of COVID. Some of these companies are trying to hire these people. They just can't hire them until three weeks later, you know, or I'm not hiring this person till October, but I'm looking for this person right now. So, um, you know, get in there and, and, and take a deeper look at, you know, what you think that whatever you think that company has for a job opening, uh, you might be looking at just one slice of the pie. And I think, you know, one of the other topics that we, we tossed around is, um, the need for education too. And this is something else that's, that's largely overlooked. There is a, sh a, a serious shortage of skilled trades people right now. Uh, people to work on HVAC systems, electrical, plumbing, um, building maintenance. I mean, you name it, these people are in a massive shortage and you've got a ton of people coming out of the military and, and coming out of college too. It's, it's not exclusive yeah. to the military who are going, Hey, you know, I, I like to pick on the underwater basket weaving degree, but Hey, I got this underwater basket weaving degree and I can't find a job now. Well, I'll tell you what, um, there are these skilled trades jobs that are paying for people's training. Um, mm -hmm. And for people right now who might be trying to pay the bills, might be might be desperate, might be looking for that next stop. You know, these are it's Mike Rose dirty jobs. You know what I mean? And not in all cases. They're not necessarily all dirty jobs, but uh, you've got schools and and educational institutions that are paying people to. Um, to learn these trades and they make a pretty healthy salary. They make a pretty, pretty hefty dollar amount. They definitely do. Um, I actually went to a technical high school. Uh, I, I went to learn how to do electrical work. Um, I try to keep that hush hush. Cause once somebody finds out, you know how to do a little bit of electrical work, you're their go-to electrician. Hey, I got this light. I need posted up outside right. on my, on my yeah. shirt. I'm busy. Um, right. but after the military, <clears throat> I thought I'll just I'll just jump right back into that. Mm -hmm. um, when we got out, there was actually a bit of a, a downturn in the economy, so, so jobs were a little hard to find. Uh, so I didn't I didn't jump right back into that. Uh, what's interesting is uh, my first long term job, my my first what I thought was going to end up being my end all be all career, was actually working for an electrical supply company. Um, so taking my knowledge of the electrical industry and then just kind of applying that as to go to these contractors, go to these job sites and knowing based off of, hey, we're at the start of the job. These are the materials you're probably going to need. This is what you're going to be looking for here. This is what I can do for you. This is what I can sell you. And, and these are the prices. Um, you know, the structure is now built up out of the ground. So I know now you're running wire. Here's the price I can get you on wire. Here's the price I can get you on boxes, you know, those sort of things. And then, you know, the full scale from, from just breaking ground to putting that last switch plate on the wall and finishing right. the job. I, you know, uh, taking the knowledge I learned in a, a high, the high school essentially, and then kind of flipping it. Um, I'm out of that industry now. I, I now do work for a logistics company and it's kind of odd how I got to this. Uh, my daughter, my oldest is uh, diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So she had some uh, medical bills piling up. We needed a little extra money. I got a second job part-time working for a logistics company. And a few months in, I started seeing these other opportunities. There are training programs. They would pay for you to get your uh, commercial driver's license if you wanted. You could learn how to drive a truck. I thought about that for a while. Um, speaking to the management there. They said, well, we like what you do. We like your attendance record. We like your work ethic. Why don't we try this? And I was like, okay. And I was just kind of shown some opportunities. And and in the back of my mind, I thought, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just I'll go get my CDL and right. I'll be I'll be a truck driver. That's right. fine. because uh, there's people in this company with their CDLs that make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um and yep. that's that's gonna be more than enough salary for for plenty of people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, 
you can go to school, you can get a degree and we'll just stay with the underwater basket weaving. Right. That doesn't mean that's going to be your end of the day career. If you find right. a career in that and you absolutely love doing it, that's awesome. Right. You go to school for business management and you end up being a manager of your own business. Awesome. Yep. If you go somewhere and you end up being mid-level management somewhere, as long as you like it, that's great. Right. But I think a lot of the things we talked about today is finding things you, you're going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. You need to have that. You know, you don't want to get up every day and just fight yourself to get out of bed right. to do this job uh, and, and being able to find the challenges. And if you can't immediately find that job in that career path you thought you wanted, it's okay. Because you, time goes on. You're going to have time to continue to look and search and find for those jobs. Right. Yeah. It's, um, you know, one of the conversations that I have with a lot of job seekers is that it is not this job that you want. It's what comes after this job. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are 35 years old, let's say, or 45 years old, uh, you're applying for a position and we're having a conversation about that position. Uh, this is not where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. This is this shouldn't be where you want to end up. You shouldn't take a job and go, all right, I'm going to be in this job for the next 20 years until I retire. That should be your starting line, correct? Right, right. And, and it, it, it's a very delicate conversation because some people are like, well, I know I want to be in this job. This is what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but But you want to have progression. You should mm-hmm. want to have progression. You should want the ability to make a little bit more money and maybe have some more benefits and get some more time off and, you know, whatever's important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you, you don't want to come in and be like, well, I don't want this job, so I'm not going to take it. It's the industry. It's the long term. It's the culture that you want. If, if all of those things fit and you're looking at down the road, realistically making the amount of money that you might want in two years. And, and if the job right now pays the bills, uh, s- suffer through that. That would be my advice. Suffer through that. Um, because you don't want to have to keep jumping around and you don't want to have to keep trying to figure out, well, what's next? And, and here's the thing. These days, uh, as opposed to years ago, people don't stay with their companies necessarily for 30 years and retire. Um, we are, for the most part, we are all funding our own retirement. We're putting our own money into our 401ks. And uh, unless a company comes out and says, hey, if you stick around for 30 years, I'll give you a million dollars for retirement. It simply doesn't happen. It's that's not how organizations are anymore. So, uh, so job seekers know that they have to go and negotiate new salaries, and sometimes that negotiation happens in an external company. If another company is willing to pay you more money and give you what you want out of that job, um, then absolutely go for it. But if you're looking for career experience without having a resume that says you got a new job every six months, because that that can be very destructive. I call mm-hmm. it burning your own resume. It's, when you start switching jobs that fast, um, you're burning your own resume. When you haven't stuck around anywhere for for more than a, a year or two, um, it becomes as a as an employer. I don't want to bring you on and go, um, "Hey, I'm going to invest training into you, invest you know resources into you, and then you're going to leave me after six months." Because um, I have to start over and start over and start over. Um, so I, I I think that the uh, the the conversation there really is like if it has what you need and and it does have progression potential and you can make more money in the future in the near future then absolutely go for it if it has the balance that you want and you're you're going to get out of bed every day and go hey I want to go to work because the alternative is making the the amount of money you want right now and absolutely hating everything that you're doing um, and I think the same thing goes in in line with back to the degree and education piece. Um, you get a lot of people who there's a fine balance between uh, getting the degree and something that you enjoy doing mm-hmm. and something that will get you where you're going. Again, if you enjoy underwater basket weaving, but there are no such thing as there's no such thing as a successful job in underwater basket weaving, you might want to reevaluate that degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, in business or um, you know, accounting or any of those types of, of degree programs, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of runway in front of that. I, I personally have a political science degree um, that can be considered one of those, you know, fluffy degrees. That's kind of like, well, what do we do with this? 
I fully intended on going to law school. Uh, I also fully intended on, on going into, uh, into politics one day. And I somewhere along the lines decided that that's not a career I want. And, uh, for maybe for obvious reasons, if you look at what's happening in the, in the political world, mm. you know, in recent years, I want, I want no part of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it was something that interested me. And I also had a plan uh, about where I wanted to go. Now, granted, I was finishing up college going into the recession of 08. Um, I, I was at a party talking to a couple of guys who just graduated law school and they were like, don't do it. Back then they were like, the, hmm. the market is saturated. There, there are too many of us and none of us can get jobs. And I was like, done. I'm going to graduate and go to work. I fell into recruiting. It was uh, it was sort of by accident, but I, I found, and I think that I the reason why I love it so much is because I was the job seeker on the other side of this, especially the person leaving the military. There were no strong resources mm-hmm. and nobody out there could tell me how I get to my next step. And so it, it kind of forged me. I said, all right, well, if it's not there, I'll just create it. And that's, that's sort of what I've done. So I found a niche. I found a, a place. Again, there's 250,000 people leaving the armed forces every year uh, and companies value that talent. Uh, it, it, it is finding that niche and, and becoming the best at it. So, um, you know, that's, that's a, it's a hefty conversation. There are a lot of words, but really it's finding something that will, um, will allow you a runway, allow you a future. And then just becoming the best at it, becoming the best in the room. And if you don't know what that is, go check out the trade schools. Go check out uh, different programs. Go go look at different companies that have something that you know will at least pay the bills because those are jobs. I've hired welders before, uh, for example. This is one of those unknown jobs. A lot of people are, are unaware of this, but I hired welders for a contract in the Middle East. Um, or I was recruiting them years ago, and and these were like six or eight month contracts for somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars for the six month contract. That's a, that's amazing. These were 25 year olds that could, that could weld on armored vehicles. Mm -hmm. Come over here to the middle East for, for six months and get a hundred thousand dollars. Dude, sign me up. If I were a 25 year old, sign me up. I'll go already spent some time over there. Anyway, I'll come over in a safe environment where nobody's, nobody's shooting at me. I'm welding vehicles, but I have no, um, I have no welding experience. Yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> I've welded a couple times. Not great at it, honestly. Not great. Yeah. At it. Um, it is a very skilled job. It's right. Skilled it is. labor. It is. Um, Matt, awesome conversation. Um, just wanted to let everybody know you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. This week we have been live on YouTube. Hopefully, uh, you'll get a chance to check this out. I'll get the video over to. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, we've been live on Facebook. I'll get the video over to YouTube. Uh, follow us all on all of those platforms. Veterans Beyond the Wire is where you can find us everywhere. Um, like I said to start the show, we did have a guest lined up. Sometimes things happen and it's okay. But luckily we have Matt Disher here. He's always got a plan B. Uh, I'm I'm pretty decent at rolling with the punches myself. So uh, even when we don't have a guest, we'll we'll get something out here for you guys. Uh, if you have any questions, any suggestions, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself on the show, you have an interesting story. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, reach out to us on the social media platforms. Stay in touch. Until next week, we are the Beyond Veterans Beyond the Wire podcast. We'll talk to you next time. See you.